Christian Parent Crazy World with Catherine Seegers is brought to you by Life Audio and is part of our Faith Toolkit series. For more inspirational faith-affirming podcasts, visit lifeaudio.com. Welcome to Christian Parent Crazy World, the podcast that tackles tough topics to help you raise godly kids in an ungodly world. I'm your host, Katherine Seegers, and today's episode tackles this critical question. What do you do if your child has walked away from the faith? (sighs) Yeah, you know, this is such a big topic. Since episode one, we've been talking about how to prevent this very thing from happening. We've talked about the the massive youth exodus from the church where kids are graduating from high school, getting out on their own, and many of them, a lot of statistics say that a majority of them are leaving the faith, especially in college. But you know what? The path to falling away actually starts much earlier. I want to read to you a quote from a book called Already Gone. The subtitle is Why Your Kids will quit church and what you can do to stop it. This book is by Ken Ham, Britt Beamer, and Todd Hillard. Here's what it says. This is the author speaking. We've always been trying to prepare our kids for college, and I still think that's a critical thing to do, of course. But it turns out that only 11% of those who have left the church did so during the college years. Almost 90% of them were lost in the middle and high school years. By the time they got to college, they were already gone. About 40% are leaving the church during elementary and middle school years. Hmm. You know, the falling away starts much earlier than college. It might not be so obvious or apparent before college, or it might, but it starts in the elementary and middle school years while these kids are still in our homes. Now, in classical education, we call those late elementary and middle school years the dialectic stage because kids naturally start to dialogue at that developmental stage. They're asking a lot of questions starting around like 10, 11, and 12. They start they start pushing back. You might have noticed that if you have kids around that age. They start to form their own positions and their own opinions, and this is a good thing. We don't want our kids to be living off of our faith We want the faith to be solidified in their hearts and their minds. So we need to be prepared to provide some solid answers and a solid biblical foundation in that stage, in every stage. And, of course, if your kids are at a public or a private school with a lot of secular ideology that goes unchallenged, secular worldviews without the counterpoint of a Christian worldview, then they may start to form some opinions that are contrary to the faith, opinions that could lead them away from the faith. Now, what I'm trying to do in this podcast is provide some solid answers for you to give your kids answers about the Christian worldview versus other worldviews, answers about the authenticity of scripture and the do's and don'ts of our faith. That is some of the material that I've already covered in this podcast. And I promise you, I am going to keep addressing those types of vital topics in order to help our kids stand strong in the faith. But what do you do? 
if or when a child has already left the faith. You know, I've been hearing from some of you. You guys have been writing me, and your stories have really moved me. I just heard from a sweet mother who has several kids out of the nest who are not walking with the Lord, and then they have several younger kids who are still in the nest, and they are walking with the Lord. It's, It's a really tough situation, and she was asking some very difficult questions. What do we do? And, you know, I know so many people personally who are going through this right now. I told you uh, Jenny's story in episode two. Her son, her oldest son, Mark, left the faith after he got into college. He is now an atheist. By the way, um, just FYI, when I use someone's name in the podcast, especially if it is about anything sensitive, I, I change it for their privacy. I would never want to expose or embarrass someone, especially someone's child. So Jenny's son is not actually named Mark. Um, and then there was Angel's story in episode four. You know, that was also not her name, actually. But she left the faith after leaving the nest as well. You may recall her parents were very legalistic, very militant about the faith. And that drove her away. I I happen to know some pastors who have a couple of kids who are not walking them with the Lord. And I, I recently read a New York Times article about a very prominent, internationally known evangelical minister with five kids. None of them. Not one of them is walking with the Lord. And in that article, they attacked their father's faith mercilessly. And the, and the New York Times was only all too willing to air their grievances. <laughs> Not surprising. But I know so many people, either professionally or personally, who are facing this dilemma. What do you do when you are in that situation? That is the question I will answer in this episode. I'm going to give you nine steps. Yeah, I'm going to give you a good strategy that you can take if you are in this situation. But first, because this topic is so vital, so personal, so painful for so many parents, and because lives are at stake here, I <laughs> I want to start this episode in prayer. We need God's answers. We need his direction on this topic more than ever any other. Heavenly Father, we need some answers. We need some direction and guidance. We need some hope. These are your children. You care about what happens to them even more than we do. Show us what we can do in order to see them safely returned to you. You are the author of their faith. We trust that you will be the finisher of their faith. Show us how to aid this journey in bringing our children back home. In Jesus' name, amen. Just before I give you those steps, I want to give you a roadmap of where we are going. If you're like me, I always like to know what's on the destination list. So in the next episode, I am going to discuss how to effectively battle for your kids in prayer. Really, that episode is going to be about how to battle for anything in prayer. And that episode is going to go hand in hand with this one, because this episode is going to give you the overall overarching strategy of what to do if your child is not walking with the Lord. But in the next one, we're going to get super practical and showing you how to implement the central part 
of that strategy, which is prayer. So that will certainly apply to having a lost child, but it will also apply to other obstacles you might face with your children, like like sickness or, or bullying or depression or addiction or another situation that has nothing to do with your parenting. There, there are going to be a lot of applications. You don't want to miss it. And, and let me just say, <laughs> if you're the kind of person whose eyes glaze over at the thought of listening to an entire podcast on prayer, I get it. I know. I get it. But I have seen miracles happen in my life by learning how to pray in faith with authority. I have two kids two kids who would not exist on this planet if it were not for the information I'm going to share with you in that next podcast. It is life-changing, literally. So I hope you will join me for that. But this episode is going to give you the critical strategy that you need to put in place if your children are not walking with the Lord. And I've taken these ideas, by the way, from people I greatly respect who have children who have fallen away from the faith. And I combine that with what I know that I would do in that situation. And with that, I've come up with nine steps that you can take if your child is not walking with the Lord. So let's get started. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Step number one. Love your child like God does. Love them unconditionally. You know, in Scripture, we learn that God's salvation requires a confession of our faith and repentance. But God's love requires nothing from us, nothing at all. We don't have to do one thing For God to love us. We can break every rule in the book. We can live a life of unbelief and and disregard or even disdain for God and his ways. And we can be an absolute reprobate, squander every gift that he has ever given us and hurt others in the process. And God, (laughs) he will still love us. If God requires nothing from us to love us, Our love for our kids must require nothing from them. And they need to know that. A lot of times we may love them unconditionally, but they don't feel that unconditional love. They need to feel it and understand that unconditional love from us in order for them to understand that God loves them unconditionally. If they never do another good thing or right thing in their entire life, They need to know that we still love them 
Our love must not require performance or or rule-keeping or righteous living or agreement with what we believe because God doesn't require any of that in order to receive his love. I, I love the story of the lost sheep in Scripture. The Bible tells us that the good shepherd will leave the 99 little lambs who are living right, who, who are in the fold, who are ministering and using their gifts for God's glory in order to go and find the one who is wandering, the one who is screwing up, the one who is living in a pig pen. Our love for our kids needs to pursue them like God does, requiring nothing, loving them exactly where they are unconditionally. Step number two, stop with the blame game. You know, I'm going to take a little bit longer on this point because it's pretty, pretty packed with information, pretty meaty. When something goes wrong in life, we are very tempted to start pointing fingers. But when a child falls away from the faith, a faith that you tried to impart to them, we need to put the blame where it belongs and not where it doesn't. First, let me tell you where not to put the blame. Stop blaming yourself. Were you too lenient? Were you too legalistic? Chances are <laughs> you erred on one side or the other because we all do. You probably gave them too much freedom or not enough freedom. Did you not teach them enough? Did you preach at them too much? <laughs> Chances are you erred on one side of that fault line as well. We all do. Did you fail to do something that, that you didn't know you needed to do? Did you fail to protect them in some critical way or, or train them in some way? Did your own faults create some wounds in your child? <laughs> uh, yes, yes, and yes. I can answer yes to all of those questions already. And I have yet to graduate my first child. They are all still in the nest, and I have, <laughs> I have missed the mark as a parent royally on many occasions. Whether you're adult or adolescent kids or walking with the Lord or not, you didn't parent perfectly because you aren't perfect. No one parents perfectly except God. We are all human and we all make mistakes in our parenting. But rest in the fact that God is the perfect parent and we need to allow him to make up for where we fall short. That is what grace is for. So give yourself some grace, Mama. Give yourself some grace, Papa. We all need it. Now, if God convicts you about something you did wrong, specifically, you may need to, to humble yourself and apologize to your child. Remember that humility opens doors. That is so important. Now, I know that your child is probably <laughs> doing all sorts of things that are wrong right now, but, but being open about your mistakes could reestablish some productive communication between you, and it will model something critically important for your child. It will model repentance. So where you were wrong, own it. And apologize. And let God open that door. You know, I talked about this a little bit in the last podcast. Maybe your child needs to see how you are imperfect so God can show them where they are missing the mark. And the other place that we may be tempted to put the blame 
is on <laughs> is on the child. Yes, they have rejected what you taught them. They, they have rejected the faith and they may be accumulating a healthy list of don'ts on the do's and don't list. That list, by the way, if you recall, is not about pleasing God. I shared all of that information with you in episode four. It's not about being acceptable to God. It, it does not earn us God's love. So that standard shouldn't make your child acceptable to you or loved by you. Keeping the rules doesn't earn us God's love or his salvation. The list of do's and don'ts in scripture is about protecting us and our kids. Don't forget that. Check out that episode again if you need to. If you didn't hear it, please go back and check it out. That's episode number four. That was a really big episode. Such important theology there. But blaming your child for all of their mistakes won't accomplish anything good. And it certainly won't encourage them to return to God or to you. You know, when a, when a child has wandered away from the faith, we need to put the blame where it belongs. That is on the enemy, the great liar and deceiver. Get mad at him. Blame him, not yourself and not your child. Refuse to put the blame anywhere else because it won't do you or your child any good. Now we're going to get to the strategy in steps three through nine. Step number three, recognize that you are in a battle. Look, <laughs> I'm not going through exactly what you may be going through with your kids right now, but I have fought me some battles and I have seen some miraculous victories. I'm going to tell you more about one of those victories in the next episode, which is really going to encourage you in your prayer life. But what you must realize if your kids are not walking with the Lord, is that your child is in a battle, <laughs> a battle with life and death on the line. And if your child is in a battle, so are you. And you need a victory. Recognize that and get your battle plan in order. Because believe me, the enemy has a battle plan to destroy your child. He does. He knows your child personally. And he has a specific strategy to take him or her down. Mm -hmm. First Peter 5.8 says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. The enemy has a plan, a battle plan to take out your child. You need a battle plan as well. And as the parent, you are the one who needs to lead the charge. Nobody on this planet cares more about your child than you do. You are the general here. So recognize that you are in a battle and know this. Ah, this is so encouraging. Battles can be won. If your child is not walking with the Lord, smear some blue paint on your face and go to war. That was a reference to Braveheart. <laughs> By the way, I'm sure you caught that, you know. You know, I'm not trying to yell at you. I'm trying I'm trying to give you a Talk, you know, if you could imagine me on a horse waving a flag, sporting a mullet with some with some blue paint smeared across my face. <laughs> yeah, that that would give you the effect I was going for there. Okay. Okay, so how do we go to war? Well, these next six steps will show you. The first step in your battle plan is step number 4. Gather your weapons. Yep, the first thing you need if you are in a war are some 
weapons. What is our weapon as believers? Our weapon is the word. The word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joint and marrow. If you, if you look at the armor of God, which is listed in Ephesians 6, there's only one weapon mentioned. Every other part of that armor is a defensive item. You've got, you've got the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness. You've got a shield of faith and a helmet of salvation. Our only offensive weapon is the word. <laughs> it is the Bible. You need to use the word of God to combat the deception of the enemy in your child's life. You need to gather a list of scriptures to use as you war in prayer for your child's destiny, for their soul. Now, I have just assembled a list of scriptures that you can pray over lost children. I put that on my website. It's a free resource for subscribing. Everything's free there. So if you want to get that list, just go to katherinesegers.com and, and subscribe. If you don't want to do that, you can probably Google and find some lists yourself. But there is a link in my bio in the notes section of this podcast. And if you go to my website, I will send that in the introductory email. And if you have already subscribed, find the email that I sent for this podcast. It's under the title, What to Do If Your Child Has Fallen Away from the Faith. I put these files, I made a PDF and a Word file for you in that email. And if you have any trouble finding it, just email me. I'll I'll send it to you. But this is a great starter list. It's not fancy. I didn't want to create something that would use a ton of ink for you to print out. Like I said, I put it in Word and PDF. That way, if you happen to have Word, you can start adding to the list very easily. But if you don't, anyone can open a PDF file. But I want to encourage you, when God gives you another scripture, add to the list. Ask the Lord to give you some very specific verses that you can pray over your child and keep growing the list. Print it out. Put it in your purse or your briefcase. Put it on your nightstand. Put one one on your bathroom mirror. Keep one in your car and, and in your desk at work and use them. Pray these scriptures over your child every day. When you get discouraged, take out the list and start praying. Trust me, your faith is gonna grow and that discouragement will flee. There is nothing more powerful than praying the word of God over your children, over any situation. I mentioned that verse earlier. The word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. That is Hebrews 4, verse 12. I love that verse. So in the next episode, I'm gonna show you more specifically how you can pray through these scriptures. But get your weapons together and start using them. Number five, get a prayer plan. Prayer is the central part of any spiritual battle, not just this battle for your child's faith, any spiritual battle that you have or your your child has in life. It could be, be a health battle or a vocational battle or a relationship battle. Prayer is the key. And if you don't consider yourself to be much of a prayer warrior, don't worry. No one starts out in life as a prayer warrior. Prayer warriors aren't born. They are formed. You can become one. And it isn't as hard as you think. 
I love what J. Edwin Orr said about prayer. He was a, a biblical scholar and preacher of true revival. He said, history is silent on revivals that did not begin with prayer. If you want your child to have a revival of their faith, start praying. The great Oswald Chambers called prayer the greater work. W. Clement Stone said prayer is man's greatest power. Watchman Nee, one of the greatest theologians on prayer or really any spiritual topic, he said, our prayers lay the track down through which God's power can come like a mighty locomotive. His power is irresistible, but it cannot reach us without rails. So our prayers are the rails that bring the mighty power of God. It brings that to us and to our children. So ask God how he wants you to pray. If you're, if you're new to this kind of consistent intercession, I would suggest starting out small. Start with five minutes in the morning when you get up and maybe five minutes at night before you go to bed. If you have a spouse who is willing to join you in this effort, by all means, do it together. If you don't have a spouse, but you do have another family member or close friend, someone who loves your child and is invested in them, ask them to join you. You don't have to pray together every time, but perhaps you could pray together once or twice a week and, and pray separately the rest of the week. And if you do have a spouse, pray with each other every night before you go to bed. Just think, even with five minutes in the morning and five minutes at night, you would pray for your child's salvation 70 minutes a week. That is nothing to sneeze at there. And then you might slowly build that time. Maybe you start to pray 10 minutes twice a day or add some prayer in at lunch or on your commute to and from work or some other time. Ask the Lord to give you a prayer strategy, when to pray, how much to pray, and then get, get in a routine. And if you miss something, don't worry about it. It's okay. We all have a bad day. Just get back right in to the routine and rest assured as parents, you have a unique authority in your child's life. Your prayers over them are powerful. We're going to talk a lot more about that in the next episode. Step number six, consider fasting. You know, fasting is a really powerful weapon to add to your arsenal. Fasting breaks strongholds. If your child is not walking with the Lord, there are some big strongholds in their lives that need to be broken. If you are looking for a good resource on fasting, read Jensen Franklin's book. The title is Fasting, straight up. I read that recently. It was awesome. I will, I will put a link to that in the notes section. I knew a couple who fasted breakfast every day for a year in order to defeat the enemy's plans in their kids' lives. Or, or maybe you could fast one day a week or, or one meal a week, or maybe you could fast media. Just ask the Lord to give you the right strategy and consider that fasting might be part of it. Mm -hmm. There's a reason it's in the Bible. It's a powerful tool, powerful weapon. Step number seven, do some research. 
Yeah, yeah. You know, one other thing you might want to do as part of your plan might be some research. Perhaps the Lord would impress upon you to read some books that might help you understand where your child is coming from. That could be a really valuable part of your strategy. For example, if your child is very scientifically minded and has become an atheist or agnostic, perhaps you could read some of Dr. Stephen Meyer's books on intelligent design and the human genome and the signature in the cell. I love that guy. I mean, I could listen to that guy all day long. You could just, you know, go and listen to some of his interviews. Those are awesome resources for a child who might be struggling in that area. Or if your child believes another religion now, read up on it. Do some research. Find some people who might have become Christians after being a member of the religion your child now believes. Ask God what you can do specifically to battle for your child by learning more about where they are. And then, listen, God will give you some direction. He will. Step number eight, feed your faith. Stay in the word. Read encouraging testimonies. Stay in fellowship. Make sure that you are in a church and I would recommend a small group. Have other people join you in your prayer for your child. So many churches are online right now, you know, and even small groups if, if you're not able to get to one physically yet. But read some encouraging books. That's another thing you can do. I love Mark Batterson's book, Praying Circles Around Your Children. This is just a like a really small book. It will not take you long to read. It's more like a thick pamphlet. I highly recommend that one. Feed your faith with encouraging instructional books and messages. And you know what? Those verses I gave you earlier that if you if you go and download those, they are going to feed your faith. <laughs> you know what's going to happen? This is so cool. If you pray those verses every day in about, I don't know, a few months, you are going to have quite a few of them memorized pretty soon. You probably won't have to look at the list at all to use it. The list will be living and active in you. It will feed your faith and encourage you. And step number nine. Yes, finally, we made it. Step number nine is quite simply worship. Yep. Yep. We must never forget to worship. Be sure to keep in a posture of worship and thanksgiving as you persevere in faith for your child's salvation. The enemy flees when we worship. So keep worshiping. You know, I, I love the story in the Old Testament when the Israelites were battling the Amalekites. Yeah, you know, it was like this bloody, fierce battle that takes place in Exodus chapter 17. As long as Moses had his hands raised up to God in heaven, the Israelites would advance and they were victorious. But the second his arms dropped, they would start to lose. <laughs> How powerful is this example, this metaphor? I love it. Worshiping God in the middle of a battle is, the, is an act of worship that brings victory. Worship puts God where he deserves to be in our lives and in our families. And that is on the throne. So keep worshiping God. Keep thanking him for a victory before you even have the victory.
my favorite song right now. It's called House of Miracles. It's by Brandon Lake and Bethel Worship. I love this song. If your child is not walking with the Lord, you need a miracle in your house because they are still a part of your house, even if they aren't living there. Declare that your house is a house of miracles. Speak it. Sing it. Shout it to your enemy. Declare it to your God. Listen. Listen to these lyrics. This is a house of worship. This is a place of praise where every demon trembles, where we proclaim your name. This is a house of healing. Our hearts are full of faith. You have our full attention. You have the final say. Come alive in the name of Jesus. Come alive in the name of Jesus. This is a house of miracles. We bring everything to the feet of Jesus. Everything in the name of Jesus. This is a house of miracles. <laughs> oh gosh, it chokes me up every time I hear it. How powerful is that? I'm going to link that video in this note section. Listen to it over and over and over. If your child is not walking with the Lord, their spirit needs to come alive in the name of Jesus. You brought them physical life. <laughs> if you are their biological parent, and if you are a parent through fostering or adoption, as my parents are, my sister is adopted, then God has sovereignly placed that child in your home under your care. You have been in charge of their physical upbringing. Speak to their spirits and tell them to come alive in the name of Jesus. I love, oh, I love how commanding, how imperative this song is. I'm going to talk more about that, about moving into this place of authority in our prayer and our worship in the next podcast. But know that worship is vital in that battle for your child. So keep worshiping. Finally, there are just a couple of, a couple of quick things I want you to recognize in closing. First, recognize that your child needs your love more than a lecture. <laughs> Chances are they know the truth and they are running from it. Let them know that you love them anyways, because God sure does. And finally, recognize that your child's faith is a, is a marathon, not a sprint. And their way back to God might be a marathon, <laughs> not a sprint. Your prayers, your fasting. Your research, your faith, your unconditional love will help to pave the way back home. I want to thank you for joining me today. Look, I know there are a lot of things you could be listening to right now, and I really appreciate that you took this time to spend with me. I hope you will join me for my next podcast when we take aim at some aspect of our culture that threatens to derail our parenting and steal our kids' faith. If you enjoyed this episode of Christian Parent Crazy World, would you consider telling a friend and sharing it on social media and giving it a good review over on Apple Podcasts? Oh, oh, I know. Maybe you could get some Christian Parent Crazy World t-shirts and wear them in your next family photo. You could post that on Instagram and Facebook and, I don't know, blow it up really big, put it above your 
sofa. Yeah, just a thought. Uh, and be sure to check out my website, which is katherineseegers.com. That's Catherine with a C. I have lots of articles and resources there that will help you on your parenting journey. And if you subscribe, I will be sure to send you some really cool free stuff and notify you of future podcasts, articles, and blogs. I want to end this and every episode with a word of encouragement. God gave you your kids, your specific kids for a reason. That's because you hold the key to unlocking who God created them to be. We'll see you next time. Christian Parent Crazy World is a production of Life Audio and the Salem Web Network. To hear more from Katherine Seegers, visit her site, katherineseegers.com. If you enjoyed this episode, would you take a minute and leave us a rating and review in your podcast app? It really does help us connect to more listeners like you. A special thanks to Kelly Gibbons, Stephen Sanders, and Stephen McGarvey for their production and editing on this episode. You can find more podcasts like this over at lifeaudio.com. There's no better way to start your day than spending time in God's Word and in prayer. Don't know where to start? We have a free daily prayer podcast created to help you do just that. The Your Daily Prayer podcast delivers a thoughtful devotional and timely prayer to you seven days a week. Gain inspiration, faith, and encouragement with daily messages in 10 minutes or less. To start listening now, search Your Daily Prayer on your favorite podcast app or visit lifeaudio.com.